Good morning, Northlanders, and welcome to Sound Off. The Sound Off host is Brad Bennett, who has served this country as a Marine Corps sergeant during the Vietnam War and has served this community as a three-term member of the Duluth School Board. Now, Sound Off, and let your voice be heard. Here's your host of Sound Off, Brad Bennett. Well, good morning, Northlanders. Good Thursday morning here, the 26th of January. Um, and we're on a Thursday today after the show, I'm out of here. Well, actually we're leaving tomorrow morning for Jacksonville for a little fishing trip. Going to have some fun. Kenny will be uh, filling in tomorrow, doing admirably as always. And he'll, uh, be bringing you up to date on taps and everything else. Today, uh, I want to kind of redo or at least go through the budget as Walls has proposed it. Now, remember, this is not a forgiven, I mean, this is not a given budget. What, what I'm going to be telling you this morning is what Walls wants to do, not necessarily what the, uh, what the House and the Senate will allow him to do. But remember, uh, Democrats have the trifecta right now. They own control of the House, they own control of the Senate by one vote, and they own control of the governor's mansion, of course, for a second term. Now, let, let me try to give you a visualization of what our surplus is going to look like uh, by the end of uh, the bottom line, by the end of about 2026. We're, we're uh, at a position right now this year that we have a $17.6 billion surplus. Surplus, meaning more tax money collected than is needed to pay the current budget. But Walls is going to take care of that, believe me. You know, though, I, I thought that maybe I'd start the show off this morning by saying that I, I really have seen the one thing the Democrats really are good at, and that's spending our tax money. I guess I've always known that, but boy, this, uh, this one little indication, Walls is going to, he's already decided, he's made it very clear, he is going to spend all of this surplus over the next four years, or at least as much of it as he can. There is $17.6 billion in the surplus right now. By the bottom line, by the end of 2027, there will be $47 million left in that $17.6 billion. If nothing changes. I mean, that's just assuming that, uh, that we don't have a huge budget fall you know fall off that uh, that all these new programs that he's going to add and the new spending he's going to add on that we'll continue to find the money for that even though most of this money is one-time expenditures but yeah he's going to start off right now this year with 17.6 billion of your tax money in a bag extra money don't need it got all the budgets covered but we got $17.6 billion extra in that bag. By the time 2027 comes around, there will be 47, well, yeah, we could, I guess we could say it that way, but there'll be 47 million. Still not a huge, uh, not a terrible thing to have, but when you consider we've got 17.6 billion surplus right now, to only have 47 million, that means there's going to be a whole lot of spending going on between now and then. And so I'll give you what some of them are. Now you are going to get, maybe some of you will get some of this money back. 
because the governor has said that, look, uh, I'm going to send direct checks because he likes that idea of having a wall, you know, signed by the governor because he thinks you'll thank him for giving you a pittance of your own money back then. So he is going to send governor checks, walls checks directly to people to 2.5 million of all the people in the state of Minnesota in direct checks up to $2,600. Now the 2,600 will only go to those that have at least three kids and husband and wife, et cetera, et cetera, and making less than 75,000. But nonetheless, there'll be a number of people that will get some checks back. Now, the other thing that he's going to do, and this is where I think he's going to run into trouble with his own uh, DFL party. He says that he's going to cut Uh, He's going to make cuts to some of the Social Security income tax. You know, right now, Minnesota is one of only, I think, 11 states that still charges, uh, you know, people when they put into Social Security, they charge them. And when they take out of Social Security, they charge them then, too. Um, But he's going to he's going to change that. He's going to give. He's going to not charge you for Social Security if you are low income, if you, but if you're wealthy, if you're the ones that have kicked in a lot of money to Social Security, uh, then you're probably going to end up paying more. Or, or you're going to have to pay when you receive your Social Security benefit as well. Now, the problem he's going to have is from everything that I have read, there's a number of Democrats who got the message during this last uh, recess during the last legislative session, and when they were home, they heard their own constituencies, whether they were Democrats or Republicans, saying, you know what, you got to get rid of this tax on Social Security recipients. And when they're getting their money, they've already paid taxes when they put the money in. You shouldn't be taxing them twice. And there are a number of Democratic senators that have said, you know what, we think we, think we should be doing away with uh, Social Security tax in Minnesota, period. Well, all it will take is one of those people to come over and match up with all the Republicans that have already said they're going to vote lockstep to get rid of it. And if one of them comes over, Social Security taxes in Minnesota will be a dead deal. But this is an increase in his budget. Now, imagine this. In just a two-year period, this is an increase of 26% for the, for the two-year budget. And the governor is touting it as the biggest tax uh, cut in the state history. Well, yeah, you know, if you get, if you give some of the money back, it is a, it is a, well, you can I guess you could classify it as a tax cut because you are giving some of it back. But there are also huge things on here that are going to be increases. For example, last week he presented a twelve billion dollar proposal aimed at education and family assistance, and a $4 billion package focused on economic development. He's going to give that all to education. Uh, hadn't heard one word, and when I heard all of this money he was going to spend on education, I didn't hear one word called accountability. Is he going to be accountable? Is he going to make education accountable uh, for getting some results? Because Right now, we're not getting those. Kids are falling off the ladder, so to speak. They're, uh, they're not seeing those increases in educational excellence that we used to have on a regular basis in Minnesota. As part of, the, as part of his public health and safety plan released Monday, the governor proposed $300 million in, in uh, public safety aid 
but also included gun control proposals. In other words, he's going to spend more money on police and safety, but he also wants to control your guns more and take uh, guns away from some people. Uh, Walls's new direct payment proposal would cost the state about $3.9 billion. Walls has pitched direct payments in the last, last legislation, uh, but it didn't go anywhere. And now, even now, the uh, the pitch is getting lukewarm reception by Democratic farmer labor legislative leaders. You know, because a lot of those Democrats don't like giving money back. I'm surprised Walls wants to do that, although I'm sure he wants some legacy for himself. But a lot of uh, a lot of Democrats don't like giving the money back once you got it. <laughs> so we're going to have a real fight there. Anyway, we better take a quick break and we'll come back. KDAL time, 11.23, sunshine. We have beautiful, glorious sun shining in the sky. And, uh, yeah, we do have cold temperatures. <laughs> like one degree, three degrees, something like that, right? Currently nine above at the National Weather oh, Service, nine above. But no. with a northwest wind at six, it feels like one below. Well, you know, if you remember yesterday when we first started the show off, I told you it was like 81 degrees and sunny here. It's now 57 and sunny here. Well, that, that'd be awesome. So, see, we've lost some temperatures, too. So yeah. Four degrees right now in Hibbing, 14 in Hayward. So, some cold air. Uh, dare I say, uh, almost normal this time of the year. Normal low for Duluth this time of the year is two above. And we are going to be pretty much normal again starting, well, actually, today and running through the weekend, it looks like. In fact, I think... Uh, um, I think our our friends uh, at uh, at Marine General said it yesterday that they're we're going to have about eight or nine days in a row where we're going to be back to normal temperatures in the Northland. So. Well, today uh, we're going to see a high maybe 14 degrees. Uh, tomorrow maybe 19. Some snow is going to return tomorrow, an inch or two here in Duluth. Uh, Saturday and Sunday sunny. Saturday's high five above and 14 below for the morning low on saturday as well as sunday so saturday and sunday 14 below on, in the morning on both days but uh, sunday's going to be a little colder than saturday albeit we're going to have sunshine zero for a high on sunday and monday do we want to look that far ahead okay two below sure. minus yeah. two for a high yeah there you go slipping back into late january <laughs> But it will get better because February is just around no, the corner. And, it won't. And, no? It's Brad, oh, it won't. Brad, the Democrats, <laughs> the progressives, the leftists, all the above are trying to make it even colder. Well, at least feel colder. Well, it probably will be colder because you know what? You won't have as, money, as much money to spend on niceties like your utilities, heat, light, you know, those kind of things. And oh, by the way, they're going up too. Yeah, Minnesota Power is going to really sock it to us. Yeah, yes, they wanted well, they wanted to raise what was it? They wanted to raise our fees seventeen percent, I think, that was that I read. But they're only going to allow them to do uh, like nine percent currently. Yeah, somewhere in that range. Yeah, no, you can't do that much, but you can do this much, right, on the increase. <laughs> and then you can come back again real fast for a second one if you'd like. And that's what they've kind of indicated they're going to do is they'll they'll accept the nine percent now, 
but then they would like to come back real quick for another 8 or 9%. And in the story, I don't know if you read the whole story, but I did read the, uh, read the actual story. There were quotes in there that part of the reason they have to go up, well, l- let me read you what it says. Currently, half the energy provided by the company comes from renewable sources, but the transition will be expensive, and the company said it will need to raise rates to pay for new power generation and transmission. In other words, we were paying much lower rates because we were getting our our, our electricity be, by being generated by coal and things like that, natural gas. Now, the whole state of Minnesota has to convert over to non uh, non burning fuels um, by the year I think it's 2026 or something like that. So we're going to have to uh, we're going to have to get more and more. Uh, coal, uh, not wasn't it? We're going to have to remove coal completely. In fact, that's what we're going to do in the next couple of years. The company intends to file another rate increase later this year to fund its transition to more renewable energy sources. So there you have it, folks. You can't win no matter what, because uh, if you're going to have more renewable, they're much more costly. Remember. You can't produce any uh, can't produce any any electricity on those uh, those charging grids. You know the ones you have on your roof. If it's dark, <laughs> there's no way you're going to generate electricity. Same thing if the uh, if your windmill you have generating electricity isn't twirling because there's no wind. Now, luckily, there is a lot of wind in Minnesota, uh, but but still, they're non-specific, and you have to have backups for all of them. So yeah, with Minnesota Power, in the past, here's here's the final quote that they had. In the past 25 years, Minnesota Power has completely completed only three full rate reviews, and its residential customers' monthly bills are below the national average, while they receive the highest percentage of renewable energy in the state, the company said. So in other words, you got to start paying more because we're producing a lot of renewable energy for you. That's going to be it's it's going to be an interesting life that we're going to leave to our grandchildren uh, as we go along. But anyway, as I was uh, starting to get into uh, the state state of Minnesota budget, I'm going to get into it a little bit more when we come back from our CBS news break. But we're very very close. Well, I'll I'll do one or two little pieces here from it just so that you know where we're heading. Much of the budget increase will be in one-time spending that pulls from the state's historic $17.6 billion budget surplus. Um, now, the GOP lawmakers and the Minnesota Chamber of Commerce have been quick to note that the significant spending jumps and criticized the governor for creating other new taxes and using the surplus to expand government spending. And that's basically what he's doing. He's, he's looking at this uh, at this pot of money sitting out there as a way of expanding services in the state and expanding uh, spending. And uh, he thinks you'll feel much better about it if he says that you're going to have one of the best-funded education systems in the country. I'd feel much better about it if if he said you're going to have one of the best, most accountable education systems in the country where you're going to get guaranteed returns for that money spent. That's what I'd like to hear yeah, but I don't think you're going to hear that. Anyway, we can uh, now take our CBS news break, folks, 
And uh, we'll be back with much more shortly here on Sound Off on a Thursday. KDAL time is 1135, and we have 14 degrees at the Army Corps of Engineers, where it got down to 5 above this morning, right down there uh, in Canal Park, basically. And very nice sunrise this morning. It was nice to see the sun finally and feel some of its warmth through the window, of course. You have to stand inside (laughs) at a window to feel the warmth of the sun. Well, that's going to happen. You know, yesterday, Kenny, we talked a great deal about the fact that uh, the United States and Germany had uh, changed their mind and and decided that they were going to uh, send tanks to the Ukraine. Well, they did. And you know what the first thing uh, Russia did? Yeah, can we get some uh, can we get some other some fighter jets now? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's coming. That's coming. Oh. Yeah, they. That was what they did. They turned around yesterday, right away, as soon as they found out the tanks were coming. And for the Ukraine, the struggle to secure Western battle tanks was just the start. Now, uh, now that they've got the uh, U.S. Abram tanks and German-made Leopard tanks, uh, now they've headed to the front lines. A few months, uh, they they want fighter jet escorts. They want a shipment of uh, fighter jets. So that uh, when they when the tanks come in, they can make sure that they can beat the Russians off of the tanks with their fighter jets. This, you know, Menendez said something interesting yesterday after the decision was made to give them the battle tanks, and that was, how long will it be before uh, Putin gets really um, just completely uh, torn apart by this war and starts getting very uh involved by doing things that maybe people never thought he would do maybe even using nuclear weapons i think that was what he was trying to say in other words he he said something to the effect that he wondered how long uh, putin would tolerate uh, some of these things that are going on um and i wonder that because yesterday when the russians found out that we were going to send battle tanks the first thing they did was hit multiple uh air raids on kiev with a missile attack, huge missile attack. People had to take to shelters. Uh, They said at least 30 missiles were said to be launched against targets in the war-torn country, uh, with Ukrainian air defenses having also shot down 24 Iranian-made kamikaze drones overnight. So evidently the Russians are using drones and missiles, but they're hitting them hard now to pay them back for what they they perceive as a, a way to defend themselves more by having these, uh, you know, and, and the Ukrainians are right. The Ukrainians are right. they got to find a way to provide security for these tanks uh, because Russia has a non-ending supply of missiles. And if they can use those missiles to take out those tanks, it won't take them long to take out 30, 30 or 31 tanks. Those would be gone very quickly. Well, let's see. Let's see what other people are thinking about some of these moves. We've got our friend Jeff from Superior on the line. Uh, Jeff, uh, good morning. Hi, good morning, Brad. What I feel privileged to follow your commentary there because that's exactly the topic I wanted to address this morning. I don't have a very popular opinion, and uh, I, I want you to tell me what you think. You know, because okay, I think this is a no-win situation, and. There is the goal currently, and I was listening to a professor from University of Wisconsin-Madison was on the radio yesterday, and she said the goal now is to defeat Russia militarily. That's the goal. You're not going to do that. And people believe they do, and Russia and Ukraine, you know, Zelensky's come to our Congress and gave this big speech, and people are waving blue and yellow flags, and now we're giving tanks to Ukraine. 
In my opinion, you're not going to defeat the Russian military. They're taking a long-term view of this. Ukraine will still be there after Zelensky and Putin are gone. So this is my opinion, and I'm, I'm telling you, uh, I'm naive, and I've never been in the military, but I have a lot of respect, um, and I've debated, debated this with my brother, who, who is in the Navy Reserve. I think, yeah. well, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. First of all, we should be negotiating peace instead of arming one side of this conflict. Two, I believe Ukraine should surrender, because you can live to fight another day. And what would happen if Ukraine surrendered? Well, Russia would take over, they would replace the government, and everyone would get back to work. And start producing this summer would be growing wheat and farmers would be working and people would be rebuilding the infrastructure and stuff. There'd be no conflict. Now, my brother said, you can't let Putin do that because then he'll go after Poland and, and Hungary and continue. I said, no, I don't think so. I think they want Ukraine because the oligarchs have invested, you know, millions, if not yeah. billions of dollars in the Crimea and the Black Sea and all that. And Russia wants the resources. I think I think it's just really about Ukraine. And in my opinion, if Zelensky had surrendered, all those people would have not died by now. And it, it, when you're a leader of a nation, you don't ask your people to sacrifice for you to maintain your power. You, you relinquish your power and, and you allow your people to live. Put your people first. And I, I have strong feelings about it, but I'm, I'm naive. I'm not a military mind. What do you think? Well, I, I think, Jeff, thank you. Uh, good, good comments. I think you can look at Russia's efforts in Afghanistan uh, before we even got involved there. I believe they were there 10 years. Um, and it, it just finally, finally they had to accept the fact that uh, this was one of those things that they, they would have to kill every person in Afghanistan uh, to, to achieve what they wanted to achieve. And, and they just, uh, they weren't ready for that at this point. I think they had sent enough uh, broken bodies home. They had sent enough... Uh, uh, caskets home filled with Russian soldiers, uh, and they finally decided, you know what, there's not enough here for us to uh, uh, take possession of if we do accomplish what we want. But you're right, I think in the Ukraine, I think that's a totally different thing. And and I think the idea that um, if we just walked away, if Russia walked away and uh, and let the Ukraine have what they wanted or or have their own government, uh, that 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 would be the end of it, and it's it's not. Putin has made it very clear that his goal is to bring the Ukraine back into the Russian Empire, and uh, and I think he's going to do everything within his power. Now, the other side of that coin, as long as we're going to talk about it, is there there the way I see this ending. And and again, I'm an opinionated talk show host, so I get my right for an opinion as well as you do, Jeff. But my opinion is, is one of two things is going to happen here. Uh, we're going to try to send in battle tanks. We're going to try to send in armor. And Russia is going to try their damnedest to make sure that they don't get in and get used against their troops. In other words, if they find out that there are tanks, uh, you know, rounded up in a certain area ready to cross the border from Poland... Uh, they're going to do everything in their power to make sure those tanks never get effectively used against their troops. They're going to they're going to use uh, tactical nukes if they have to. Um, but the other side of the coin is that Putin could be putting himself up for either an assassination attempt. I mean, there's enough there's enough very upset people in Russia, even some of the oligarchy that has put out a lot of money to support him. 
are looking at diminishing returns right now. And they might see this guy is out of control and they may want to try to remove him. Now, he's got a pretty strong protection shield around himself in Russia. But uh, uh, there there has been speculation that there's something wrong with him, that he has cancer. That, so you, you could see maybe the pressure of this war starting to take its hold on him physically and emotionally. Or... You would, or the other side is that you'll just see him hang on until the last dog is hung, and he will use every bit of uh, might that he has, military might he has in Russia, to just uh, destroy. Look what he, look what he's already done to the Ukraine. You know, nobody's asked the question yet. Let's say that let's say this war goes on another six or eight months. What's going to happen to the country of Ukraine? It's already almost destroyed. Uh, you know, physically, buildings have collapsed, buildings have been bombed out, uh, the infrastructure is shot. Uh, so so let's say six months from now, finally, uh, Zelensky and Putin come together at a table someplace and they decide that, you know what, let's just end this thing. You know, we would like, you know, Russia will say, uh, we want a port on the Black Sea, so we'll take this, we'll take the Crimea like we've had all along, and we'll give you back the rest of your country. See you later. What is the Ukraine going to do? They're going to have to come to us, the European Union, and everybody else and say, you know what, you've spent billions of dollars sending us military hardware. Uh, now we need a little more from you, but we need hundreds of billions of dollars because we got to rebuild our entire country. We got to rebuild housing. We got to rebuild factories, uh, and we have no money. We've spent everything we had on the war effort plus everything you had on the war effort, and uh, and now we need we need help. Uh, we need United Nations funds. We need U.S. funds. So we're going to end up paying for this just like it was our war, even though it's a proxy war. We've already paid dearly with a couple of things. Our military hardware and equipment, which is, I understand from a couple of different military journals I read, starting to use up some of our excess military equipment, some of our stuff that we use and that we need in case we ever ended up in a war, We've given away batteries of artillery, artillery shells, missile systems, uh, now Patriot missiles, now tanks. Uh, we got to replace all those so that we have the needed uh, supplies for our own troops. Then we're going to have to step in just like it was our war, and we're going to have to pony up the tens of billions of dollars to rebuild that country. I don't see us winning this this being a good situation for us, no matter what happens. And I understand people want the Ukraine to be able to fight off the big guy. It's the David and Goliath uh, concept. But I don't think Russia's, uh, you know, that their goal is to take over Poland or anything else, unless uh, it became very easy to do, but it's not. Look, we got to go to our Minnesota news break. Uh, We'll be back shortly with more here on Sound Off on a Thursday. ADAL time is 11.52, 14 degrees in Canal Park. Sunshine uh, galore. And uh, winds right now are about five, six, seven miles an hour out of the southwest. Not bad. Not bad. Yeah. Well, you know, Jeff from Superior, uh, that was a good call. 
because he asked a lot of the right kind of questions. You know, he's he, he admitted he wasn't a military guy, uh, but he said, you know, some of this is going to take a long time. And he's absolutely right. You know, just to train a crew to be able to handle an A1 Abrams tank is going to take, I don't know, months, a couple of months probably. I remember back... Uh, uh, when I first got in the Marine Corps, and they selected me to be a, a mortar, 81 mortar operator. Well, I didn't know anything about mortars. I didn't know anything about trajectory of shells. Uh, I knew that a mortar could operate in a 360 circle, but I didn't know how you would set up the sighting system on aiming stakes, and you'd have to have everything laid out in a 360 circumference. I didn't know how to read an overlay map uh, that that would uh, be able to tell me how to drop mortars into ravines and along creek beds and things like that. It took literally months just to learn how to use crew serve weapons. But now, Kenny, you're absolutely right. The Ukraine is now looking at, okay, now that we got Abrams tanks, how about some uh, some, some fighter jets? Uh, we'd like to have some jet fighters. Well, you know, when you start thinking about uh, jet fighters, well, first of all, does Ukraine have a, a large, already trained air force? Mm, I don't think so. I mean, I'm sure they have some people that are capable pilots, but they've got to become capable with the kind of equipment that they're going to be provided if they are, in fact, provided. Plus, when you get those jets, what else do you got to have with them? Well, you got to have uh, some facilities to put them in. You've got to have revetments or something to hide them out from the uh, from the enemy as they come overhead. You've got to be able to have munitions people and the armament to be able to attach the munitions to the plane before they take off. You've got to have maintenance crews because these things constantly have minor things go wrong with them where you need crews. When we had um, when we had fighter jets, uh, ours, were, you know, of course, were F-4 Phantoms. They were much older versions. But for every fighter crew and every pilot that you had in Vietnam, you probably had a crew of 30 or 40 people on the ground uh, arming them, uh, maintaining them. This is not easy. And um, and for us not to be involved in the war, actually, where we have people on the ground, we, we're going to have to take all of these people to a neutral site, either to uh, Poland or Germany or the United States, like we're doing with the Patriot missile crews. We're bringing them here to our bases and teaching them and training them. It's going to be a, uh, it, it's, it's, it's literally like we are in the war ourselves. And then, as I said, nobody has asked the big question. When this thing is all over and the Ukraine has been, the country of the Ukraine has been brought to shambles, who rebuilds it and at what cost and whose cost? Yours and mine? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of questions that need to be uh, looked at in this whole thing. But as I said, in the meantime, last night, Russia uh, hit Kiev with 30-some missiles. They also uh, flooded drones in these kamikaze drones, but they're, they're evidently a little easier to take down. And uh, Ukrainians' air defense supposedly took out 24 of those. But they've Russia has indicated that they've got a never-ending supply of missiles. They can just keep sending them in. And every time they do... They killed 10, 12, 15 uh, civilians, along with who knows how many of the military people. At some point, the country is going to have a hard time. But I don't see them, as Jeff said, uh, giving up. 
I don't think Ukraine wants to do that, just like we wouldn't in our country. We would, uh, uh, there would be parts of America that would fight to the last man to keep America. Um, and I think you're going to find that with the Ukrainians too. But, but they're using other people's equipment and other people's money to fight their war. And at some point, those other people's money and equipment either runs out or they say, uh, we've really had enough here. This is costing us too much. And then when we've got all the other issues and problems in this country of a border with Joe Biden flood, flooding illegal immigrants into our country and financial problems and things that we've got in our own country, it's going to be very difficult to maintain the momentum on uh, supplying Ukraine's everything they need like we have had up till now. But nonetheless, it's your show. If you'd like to comment on that or anything, you can do that. We're just about out of time here in the first hour, but give us a call in hour number two. Uh, the number to call is area code 218-722-0839. That's 218-722-0839. Uh, give us a call. Let us know what you're thinking, uh, what you think will be the outcome of this war. Um, but fighter jets... That's a whole, you know, tanks are big enough because you do have to have some crews and armament people for them as well. And you've got to have uh, the availability to keep them out of uh, enemy attacks. Um, so, But MiG-29 fighters, they, you know, the Soviet-era MiG-29s, there are a lot of them around, I understand, in Poland and other countries. And they're maybe a little bit easier to train crews on. So uh, there could be some of that happening as well. But, but we will... Uh, Whatever we find out, we will let you know, of course. Um, but we're we're going to be back. Hour number two is uh, going to be coming up shortly. When we do come back, I do want to talk a little bit more about the budget in Minnesota. There were some very, very interesting things in uh, the laid out the way Governor Walls <coughs> sees spending all of our hard-earned money that we have given to the state of Minnesota, $17.9 uh, billion. Uh, he has lots of ways to spend it. We may not always like them, but there are a lot of ways to do that. Biden, in the meantime, some of his people yesterday, including his director of the border, has said, uh, you know what, we're, we're way down. A lot less border people sneaking across, which isn't true. We'll be back. Hour number two coming up shortly.